Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColdSploitation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? And uh, we are back today with an episode of our Remake Ween series. And also we have the uh, the privilege of having an October Friday the 13th this year. Which is quite fun for all of us uh, horror fanatics because not only do we get to celebrate Halloween very soon and so all of that all of those festivities are going on. But then we've also got Friday the 13th lodged right in there. Uh, a time when normal people probably are binging the Friday the 13th film series and people like me are watching the Friday the 13th TV series. Good. <laughs> Good. You can get, get uh, AMC and get their uh, Friday the 13th out this Friday. Early? Yeah. Rather than like, showing them all the way through Halloween? Yeah. Just leave Halloween to Halloween. I agree. I think that... I like Friday the 13th and all, but I don't really f- feel like it's a Halloween, uh, like close to Halloween movie. You know what I mean? Like if I'm going to pick something to watch during Halloween, like really that, like that last week before Halloween, it's probably not going to be Friday the 13th. It's going to be like trick or treat, the Halloween series, and then some other Halloween set films. I can watch Friday the 13th anytime. It doesn't need to be during Halloween. Batman v Superman. It's true. I was I, kidding about that. I, I thought you were. I, I looked it up, but uh, that was a joke that Martin said that Batman v Superman, the director's cut, takes place on Halloween night. I kind of I, – I almost believe, too, because <laughs> Batman does have a tradition of taking place during Halloween, like the long Halloween. And then also in the um, – in uh, Batman and Robin, that also takes place on Halloween. Does it? Yeah. No, I'm sorry, not Batman and Robin. Um, Batman, Batman Forever. Batman Forever takes place on Halloween. Um, because I recently did an article about it. I was gonna say I don't remember Batman. It's not a big part of it, but there is, there is a part of it where, uh, like the Joker and or no, not the Joker, the Riddler and um, like the Penguin or something. They like get together. Two Face. Two Face. That's it. That's what it is. I don't even know the premise because it's been so long since I've seen it. Uh, the. The Riddler and Two Face get together and they like have their costumes on, and they they like uh, knock on Bruce Wayne Manor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, then there's could... like Alfred's giving out candy and stuff yeah, like that. The Riddler found out who Batman was. Yeah, exactly. It takes place on Halloween. I still say the greatest Halloween movie of all times: Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, yeah. Cowboy Bebop the movie. Um. So yeah, th- today for for remake Halloween. We have the Friday the 13th remake from 2009, um, which... A film that the world just could not live without. We needed it. They needed it. And uh, so this was a long... I think this was a long time coming. Um, really had, had you know, uh, quite a bit of back and forth. If you look at the the um, credits, there was like four people credited to the storyline. And that's not the same four people that actually worked on the script for it. Um and it, so it was a long time coming, and uh, 
as you as we even see now, like with the Friday Thirteenth franchise, um, they, it can't really get its act together any at this point anymore. Like there's been announcements of you know Friday Thirteenth new sequel of the film, um, none of that has gotten off the ground, and for good reason. Two thousand nine really put the nail in the coffin. It made a shit ton of money though. It did, but I think that it had so many detractors to it. Um, and and yeah, I but, but outside of the first film. It's not like the films are getting positive reviews. No, that's true. It was more so. of a money-making scheme, sure. Um, and so it would make sense, you know, regardless of the reviews for the... Again, Transformers. It's been over ten years now. Good example. Still still getting made because there's still people who are fucking going to see that shit. Yeah. I, uh, I was one of the detractors of Friday the 13th, 2009. I, I saw it one time. Saw it. It was not in theaters. I saw it after the fact. Uh, really did not like it when I saw it the first time. And so I haven't haven't been back since. Um, I never saw it because I had no not the slightest interest in seeing it at all. Well, you did this time because you, you thought it would be the perfect time to do it for the remake of Ween series because we had Friday the 13th coming up on the, you know, the Friday that's right after when we normally release podcast episodes. So... Even though you're going to complain a lot about this film, you're the one that really decided on doing it. Well, you know, I'm a fool, so. And then we haven't even uh, touched on the Nightmare uh, on Elm Street remake, which is coming up. So you're going to have fun with that one, too, I mm. think. Um, so, yeah, the 2009 Friday the 13th, um, there are people that do find the film to be somewhat fun. Um, and I think part of that just stems from the fact that this this film is violent, it is gory, and it does really um, match like with the the very generic plot points of what a Jason Voorhees film would be. In that Jason Voorhees kills a bunch of people, and and they're more and more gruesome as they go along. And that's I mean if you're if we're talking just straight up, what's the formula for a Friday the Thirteenth film? Then I guess this this hits it. Would you agree? Yeah. <laughs> you sound you say, you're so very tentative at like when you say that you're like I don't want to say yeah, but I guess that's true. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it is, but I mean, it's it was, a thing. It, it's, ha- it happened. <laughs> but like like we, we talked about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like. How can we take the original premise and make it totally cute? Yeah. It's literally literally what they did. I mean, it's the same fucking director. Yeah, um, I mean... it's. I'm kind of surprised it's not the same writing team, because it's li- literally the same plot from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, horny kids want to smoke dope! Yeah, really. Yeah, in Texas, much. in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're going to see Skinner because it's the seventies. Yeah, here it's they're at their friends camp, uh, camp on Crystal Lake, and they're there to smoke doobies and drink beer. I feel like the when they do that, so when they when they're taking the Friday the Thirteenth idea and trying to translate it to like two thousand nine, it's. I think all I they're doing, all they all they did was they added token characters. They had they got an Asian and a black character now because in the original it was just all white. 
pretty much. You got to diversify. They did. They did. They did their part on diversifying because God forbid any film today get made, um, that doesn't ha- hit certain beats like that because uh, you know because people get pissed off about you know certain things like that you know, um, with like how, yeah, like like you know with casting decisions, um, which, which I don't. By the way, I don't think it's bad in this. Yeah, because it has no fucking bearing on it. No, no, but, it, I mean, but it is something to know. Like, oh, so okay, they 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 hit they hit you know the spectrum when it comes to that, and then with this, like, oh, uh, they can't just be kids out to drink and have sex. Yeah, now they gotta smoke doobies. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think that that part of this is like trying to. They're trying to recreate the formula for Friday the 13th, but they're remembering it incorrectly. They're remembering it for all the wrong reasons. Like, um, when we look back at the original Friday the 13th, was it really all about these people just wanting to get together and drink and smoke pot? No. no there was actually a reason for them to be there besides, like, their camp you know, I'm going to party. There are camp counselors trying to rebuild the camp. Now, and actually, you but, know, in that one... You actually would act like those people because you'd think about it. These guys are volunteering their summers to go to a summer camp to give these kids a good time. You know, yeah, maybe they're going to have fun and have sex while they're there. But at the same time, they're good people. They've, they've got heart. And they're going to re- redo this camp well, and make sure that those kids have fun for well, summer. Well, not only that, as I, I brought up before on the podcast, we've talked about, you know, covered the several different slasher films that we've covered on here. I think the whole premise and idea of, like, well, these kids are getting killed because they're having sex and drinking. It's like, why? Like, why? Why is that still a thing? Why is that still a trope? Well, no, like, again, like, it's not, again, we're not in the pur- puritanical days of yore where it's like, don't have sex. It's, why do that, you think it's li- more- li- Literally now, like, it's like, fifth grade, it's like getting taught sex, and like, most smart parents, like, it's like, they, you know, think the character your kids going out and having sex like look here's a condom here's whatever you know be smart for the love of god well i don't think now like we're when we talk about slashers that it's totally in the puritanical sense i think it's more in the titillating sense is like well, that's and, what people want to well, see that and it's a trope but my, yeah. my, my point my point is i think it's I, overall i think it's like it's just stupid well and i, I think too that the cautionary tale of the 80s was actually kind of overblown in the same sense that you you have some of the uh loud people who are saying you know look at george romero's totally um political stance in uh, in and and uh sociological stance in dawn of the dead and that yeah sure i mean you can say in some ways that was a sociological perspective of people going back to you know stores because that's what they knew in their life and it was kind of ingrained in them but at the same time was it really or was it really just that a mall would be a cool setting um i think we have that same sense with slasher films there's been or there's been a lot of like books written about the psychological aspect of the slasher film that it's a cautionary tale that it's you know it's it's a uh an attempt to stem the tide of like sexuality that was growing at that see, time see at the same time like look i don't th- i don't buy that bullshit at all i just think the right. whole the whole basis of it i don't think they're doing it be- for those reasons like you know like i mean obviously the idea is prevalent because it's the whole reason it follows is a movie yeah you know but i mean well and and that's what i'm saying but i mean that- but but even still 
I don't buy that, like, these films are basing, like, oh, you know, cautionary tales of underage drinking and sex. I just think it's a terrible trope. I just don't like the idea. That's why, like, why is Terminator such a great slasher film? It's... There is no trope like that. It's... Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Well, I I agree. I mean, I think in some ways that, um, like, I I wasn't really saying that I, I totally... Uh, no, I know agree where I... this psychological reading of it, and I think those psychological readings have come later. So you have, you know, the films that kind of followed the same formulas, and th- the formula was more so used because it worked. So in, in, when we talk about something like um, in Halloween, for instance, where you have the the uh, teenage babysitter who is very shy and you know not into smoking or drinking or partying or having sex and and she's the one that survives um that made sense because she wasn't out and about doing those things so obviously she was not as easy to kill did you you, and, you forgot her name no i'm just saying i was just saying i was using her as an example i know but you're like, i know it's like you forget her name but no <laughs> you like you still i'm just saying because you said it in such a roundabout way like oh no like oh the teenage she doesn't smoke or drink it's like Ryan, are you for- it's Laurie Strode? Come on! No, I'm not you- forgetting. I just didn't. Um, but like with that, you know, she just wasn't in those, uh, you know, in those areas, in that um, pred- predicament, I should say, you know, where where that would occur, so it was harder to get to her. Um, and so I think that some of those ideas of like when we had copycats, you know, of trying to figure out like, well, what's the next best holiday to use? Um, <laughs> you you were kind of copying that formula, so it became sort of a you know, my brody Valentine's got to be Canadians having sex in a mind shaft. Yeah, and, and I think some of those ideas were copied. Uh, people like seeing sex on screen. They like nudity. Um, so I think a lot of those those psychological readings came later where it was like, well, we see a pattern in this. And so what's the what is the uh, response psychologically to that? Like, how should we read that? And not and those don't always reflect the uh, the way that a director or a writer meant to portray those things. Um in some ways, I think it, it's possible that those were – that was sort of a uh, – some of the intent, but it certainly wasn't the uh, the sole intent of the film, like to make it about don't have sex or you're going to get murdered. And I, so I've read a lot of, of books like about that stuff and none of them have really swayed me in one way or the other to think like, well, yeah, all of this was – consistently about sex well what a fool's errand those authors went on well yeah and exactly <laughs> i read one that said some things as ridiculous as Lori uses a key in the in the door so obviously that's a phallic yeah. symbol oh, and it's like everybody yeah. uses a key in a door i mean when they go there's not that's not <laughs> a phallic symbol that's an everyday object usage um so yeah some some things like that is you know Really, or, or like carving a pumpkin and using a knife is a phallic symbol. Mm. No, is a carving of a pumpkin. I don't a... think John Carpenter was giving a shit. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. And even when we look back towards earlier slashers like Black Christmas, which we covered on here, she's pregnant. So she obviously was not, you know, um, not very careful. You know, the main the main character in that was not very careful about her sexuality and still survives. So. That, it wasn't always a thing. That, see, that kind, but that kind of that fits more though with like the early seventies, right? With like you know the sexual revolution. Yeah, that's true. So that yeah. fit, you know that. Yeah, fits. but I'm saying if we're talking about precursors to slasher films and Black Christmas being one of them, um, 
you know, you have you you don't have that formula starting there, so it's interesting. It's just an interesting idea of, of seeing how it has evolved and then how we've kind of interpreted patterns in it um, to be more psychological than perhaps they, they ever really were. And I think bringing it back to Friday the 13th, 2009, before we really go into our, our break and come back with some beer talk before we get into the film itself, um, I think that, you know, in in these cases, especially with remakes, you have, first of all, the intention to follow the pattern because that was what you, you did. You don't want it to be completely off base from the original film. And then at the same time, too, you got a lot of attractive women who are willing to take their tops off. So why not go with that? You know, why why not put that on screen, I think, is the other um, the other idea that ma- Marcus Nispel has in this film. It almost makes you think the casting for this film was literally like, show us your tits. No, that one's lopsided. Next. Those, those are juicy. You're in. When 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 can we book you for this? I show? would have to imagine that in some ways Juliana uh Guile or Gil, I'm not sure how you say it, um, when she was being casted as Brie, I'm I'm assuming that came up at least a little bit. Because how could you have that that line? And that that may have been perhaps uh a spontaneous reaction <laughs> um from Trent, Travis Van Winkle. But what a fucking! <laughs> but uh, but even so, you you definitely you know they that probably wasn't far off. That's base, like that a there porn has to star's be some name. Sort of tra- Travis Van Winkle, the Travis Van Winkle in his dinkle. <laughs> um. All right, let's take a break. Oh we'll no! Come back. Before oh, yeah, we have some sad news. Sad yes, sad news. Actually, we have some news all around because we've been talking about this a little bit, and I think you know. Th- in the future, there's going to be a little bit of a morphing for this uh, for the podcast as we move into our hundred episodes. We want to try to do something a little bit different. It gets it stagnates when you do the same sequences over and over again. So for our next uh, hundred episodes, hundred episodes, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're not there yet, so um, you know we're still working on it. But we do want to incorporate a news piece into some of our episodes. Maybe not all of them. There's not always news to do every single week. Um, and then also, well, there uh, is some big news. There is some big news. And then also we want to incorporate a different kind of beer talk for our, our next episode. So, um, and, and we're going to do a preview of that on today's episode. Yeah. Uh, but for in news, go ahead and take it away. We have sad news. I don't like to make promises on the show, but I have made promises. I promised our kind listeners when November comes. We were going to do the Death Wish remake. And unfortunately, we can't do that. And that is because due to the recent shootings in Las Vegas, the production company has decided to push it back to March of 2018. They felt like it might be tasteless to release a film that's basically about murdering uh, people willy-nilly on the streets. Uh, with gu- highly a lot with guns, might be tasteless. which it's one franchise after the first film is not tasteful as we have covered right on this it was, series. It was uh in detail. A, a, it's like not a movement away from the more nuanced politic of the, of, original. Uh, the original film and more just like well, let's blow everybody away that. Is bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but this, no, it, this literally does piss me off. Look, I understand, 
you know, and get that what happened in Vegas is a tragedy. You know, the nation is, I hope, still mourning it, mm-hmm. not kind of moved on. But at the same time, why are you moving the film back? The film itself, especially with like, especially the fact that the message of the film is vigilantism is a good thing, right? Yeah, and you can take that as a viewer, you can take that as you will, because that is how the film, you know, the franchise portrays itself, mm-hmm. and that you know, armed citizens is a good thing, which you know, the gun lobby, you know, is the only thing that's going to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun, right? A lot of good that did. Um, but any... Not trying to get political here, but... No. But, at the same time, like, why are you moving it back? It, 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 again... When when, <laughs> when when will it matter if for, it's... You, when it comes out, if it still has that same idea? And not only that, for all we know, there could be another shooting. Right, exactly. Or, or There's the never, I mean, it, it, there hasn't really been a so, day without some sort of mass shooting, so... That is a very real concept that it there and when it's going to be released next time there may be something else bad that happened around that time and then you have to question really the thematic element of the film itself like if the people who made the film are like wow we, maybe we should then it's, yeah. like, then it's like maybe then maybe 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 not maybe the maybe your the uh the final theme of the film didn't really come out to be the the way you wanted it to be or way that you want most people to accept it um, yeah, it's, it's maybe there's maybe they have to reshoot shit, and they're like, yeah. and they're using it as an excuse to be like, it, it's possible. I mean, because I saw the trailer, I don't like to watch I'm, trailers because I'm like with Last Jedi, I'm not going to watch a yeah. trailer. I want to go into that totally blank. Which I already have some friends that got pre-ordered IMAX tickets. Oh wow! Um, which one? I'm not going. I will. I'm not driving an hour to see a movie in IMAX, and two, I will never fucking pre-order a ticket for a movie. <laughs> I don't pre-order games. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? I'm not, like, a month in advance booking my thing for, like, Star Wars. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go and see it a week later, then. Jesus, you know? Well, back back to the... But no, but, like, yeah. yeah, but getting it back onto, like, you know, the whole Death Wish thing, it's like, just, like, just, you know... I, I almost feel like they have... Maybe they are reshooting things after watching the trailer uh, I'm wondering I didn't... if they had some backlash to the trailer and they're concerned that a lot of people are not happy with the way and the the more comedic sort of like die hard late die hard sequel die hard uh way that this film looks because that's probably all bruce willis knows how to i do mean now. really it does it looks like a uh like a, another diehard sequel really it uh, could be john mcclain it, it could be john it's McClane. not paul kersey that's you know taken out well he definitely doesn't have the bronson hair so or mustache yeah, yeah. it's literally fucking old man bruce willis yeah yeah definitely definitely uh not good news on that front and then also the other news too that we heard like back to back with that um is that the other film series that we've covered previously, the the Universal Dark Universe, uh, has pushed back its Bride of Frankenstein film as well. So that's not coming out. I think it was supposed to be February 2018 when it was coming out, and that's getting pushed back indefinitely right now um, for like script rewrites. Because and, and the thing is that the script has been done for a long time. I think I feel like the script has been done before. The mummy was completed, and now they're pushing it back. That's not a good sign for the dark universe at all. 
And and I don't. They've never. That's way like I'm not a fan of consistent sequels, like year after year. Like that's something that's kind of pissing me off with Star Wars. I do not want a Star Wars film every year. Yeah. As big of a Star Wars fan as I am, I do not want to see a fucking film every year. Well, there's never. It's just. Ne- it's never really a good thing to put so, yourself on a deadline like that. But at the like, same time, one out every year. Well, to say, but at the same time, with like Dark Universe. It's like five years in between each film. Yeah, and then it's a long like, period of time. Then it's yeah. like, yeah, that, then that's too long. You have <laughs> to, you have to have like the perfect balance of like how you know it won't catch on if you uh, like if you keep it <laughs> extended out like that. It's crazy, especially in the infancy. Like maybe later, as like you're like yeah. running out of ideas, you can stretch it out. Well, but like after the mummy, like probably within two years. You want that sequel well, out, so people even are Bride still... of Frankenstein seemed like it was going to be a, like a long ways out for the Dark Universe. Compared to DC and Marvel and their franchises, which they have a consistent like time frame for each of them. Well, they got like it all mapped out, perfectly. right? And and then you can, that just shows how little the Universal has put into the thought about like actually <laughs> getting these films to perform well by having a time frame, by having you know things thought out, thought through. So. Also not good news on that front. So we, we probably won't be covering Bride of Frankenstein for a while either. We thought the Dark Universe was going to be something. And it, it certainly turned out to, to be a uh, Flash. and Very well could be dead. Pretty much out. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, and then the, other, the one other thing that I wanted to bring up for news is just that uh, John Carpenter has, as you know, is going to be a producer on the new Halloween film for next October. And um, he said that they're pretty much jettisoning, jettisoning everything besides the first Halloween film for the for this new film that's coming out. So he he calls it almost an alternative universe because pretty much everything else that happened in the other films is really non-existent in this new Halloween. I, I don't li- I still don't like that. I think if uh, again I think not just because we both love Halloween too because we both do love Halloween too. Right. I think it's got, adds enough to the lore and like. T- to like, can you can easily pick up right off after that, and it'd be if, totally fine. If if I had to guess, I'm I think that they probably were just uncomfortable with the um relationship between Laurie and Michael, so they wanted to get rid of that. They'll probably add it though. I mean, I, it's other a, than it's that, a, I don't really a, see a, the it, point. It's then. A, it's such a big like point throughout like well, the... but yeah, but other than that, I don't see the point of not picking up after Halloween two then. I, or the other reason is because they 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 want Michael to be immortal again, Mo- not immortal, but mortal, like he's you know just a regular human being, not some sort of like you know mythical monster that can come and and not die on every Halloween. So perhaps it was stretching the Limits. realism of having him be in two movies and then pra- basically get killed in both movies but not die. So maybe maybe they wanted to pick up with after the first film, you know, him being gone. That's a little bit more reasonable, I guess, to say that perhaps he was, you know, he just didn't but, get shot the way that we thought he not, did. Or it's not reasonable. It's been forty fucking years. Yeah. No. So I'm not. the man's gonna be like in his sixties and seventies. Well, I think that they're picking up literally after the film. That wouldn't make sense because Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. That's true. I don't know how they'll do that, but maybe they'll have a young Laurie and she's they'll like, have an old 
they'll have Jamie Lee Curtis, but she's not Lori. I mean, it looks pretty modern. Did you see the photo? Yeah, the I, know. The yeah pro- I know. The, I don't know the, what they're the, going to do. The promo photo with Jamie Lee Curtis. Interesting. She's... Interesting ideas. I don't know. I guess we'll see you next year, which we will absolutely be going out to the theater to see. Mm. For sure. Can't miss that. No, I won't. I, I'm actually not looking forward. Like, looking forward to is too strong of a phrase. I'd say... Cautiously optimistic That's, for it. Yeah. Well, should we should we go right into our beer talk? Yeah, let's do it. So today we have something a little bit different than what we normally do because I'm pretty sure that we had both of these beers previously on the show. No, we have not had one. I think we have. We have not. No. Mm, okay. Because I we had I haven't bought this beer in mm. actually probably three two years now. Well, anyway, we're having a versus today, a little head to head competition between two beers of the same style, um, of the same state from the same state. That's right. So we have it's a it's a Massachusetts Oktoberfest head to head. So in one corner we have the Sam Adams Oktoberfest, which we're in the orange orange trunks. Yeah, we're wearing the orange trunks, um, which, as you may have heard on the show before, is one of our favorite Oktoberfests. Is one of the first ones that I've had, and has always stuck near and dear to me in it my was, heart. Was was my first Oktoberfest. Yep. Uh, so it, it's that's always been a. a fan favorite for me although sometimes i do skip out on it in order to try different things so i haven't it's it. true that's why i haven't bought it in a couple yeah, of years yeah. it's like i, I generally it's do a, get it'll it always tap. be it'll always be there i do get it on tap if i see it but that's the wrong kind of thing because as we know sam adams are bastards they, yeah you know <laughs> if there's any seasonal they would replace it with like summer october festival yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> And then in the other corner, in the blue trunks, we have the Harpoon Oktoberfest. And interestingly, these guys aren't really that far apart either. Both based out of uh, Boston. Not not that far apart from each other. Years are close in establishments, too. I think Sam Adams is 84. Yeah. I don't think I say in the bottle, but I'm pretty well, sure it's 84. Well, Harpoon says 86. So that's why I'm saying that. It's, you know, like... Yeah. Pretty close. I don't know. I don't really know exactly. I know it's, I know it's early 80s for Sam Adams, but I can't... I think... I, Pretty sure it's eighty four when the interesting Jim Cook started brewing Boston Lager. So basically, what we're talking about with these is we've tried them back to back to see how exactly they differ in terms of being a you know a German Marzen style. To see what makes them so so Oktoberfesty, what gives them that flavor, and which one's better, really. So I'll let you take it away first because it was your idea. Yeah, so which one do you want to start with, though? Well, I think we could talk... I think you should. we should do them... Side by side? Like basically, certain... yeah. You talk about it side by side, and then I will. So, we'll start with Harpoon. Which I do think we had the Harpoon's Oktoberfest on here. Yeah, I think we did. Um, at some point. Last year, maybe? I'm not sure. Take a sip. Um, it, it's got a multi sweetness to it but i wouldn't say it's overly sweet and it does have as you, um i wasn't able to kind of pinpoint it but as you said like a hop finish to it not like a pale ale or ipa hop to it but a hop character that you can pick up on that gives it a crisp finish makes it very easy to drink nice bodied beer very enjoyable I would say uh, 
if I had to like kind of compare it to another Oktoberfest, it's kind of like Saranac's Oktoberfest. In that the malt, it, the malt characteristics and the hop characteristic of it are balanced, so you don't get a overly malty beer where you're like, where it's malt forward, like you're mainly just getting a malt, bready feel to it. On the other side, I would say Sam's Oktoberfest, and we talked about it before. We haven't reviewed the beer on the podcast before, but we've talked about because it it's one of our favorite Oktoberfests. And how it's kind of unique in the sense that it's mu- compared to a lot of Oktoberfest, it's much more malt forward. It's very malty, very bready. The essence of fall, I would say. Like, it's almost like you're drinking pumpernickel bread, but it's not peppery. Like, it doesn't have, like, a ryeness to it. But it's, like, it's got that kind of heavy bread feeling to it and taste to it. I will say something I've never really picked up on before that I am picking up on now is I would say that heavy maltness to the beer that I think makes this uh, Sam's Oktoberfest different from others also makes it a sweeter beer to me. Because the hop presence in it isn't really, it's not there, it's very, it's negligible. You can't really pick up any on any hops in it. So it's, as, with all that maltiness taste that you're getting from it, it's, to me, by the end of it, you're getting that bready taste and then at the end a bread sweetness to it. That's how I would, you know, describe the two beers. Well, which one do you like better? Well, I want you to. Oh, okay. You want me to go first? I want because we talk have about t- it. Oh, yeah. Before I get like to say right. which one I like more, I want right. you because we have differing opinions on like certain, yeah. certain aspects. Of the I do. I, I for whatever reason, I find the Harpoon Oktoberfest a little bit sweeter than I than the um, Sam Adams Oktoberfest. I don't really know why. I think it may have something to do with just how my taste buds are registering that there's that extra hop layer that Harpoon has rather than Sam's, which doesn't really have a hoppiness at all and it's mostly the the finish is just very malty and bready um and i will say that there's there is a tad bit of difference especially when taking a sip of sam's and then going into harpoons where i get a little bit more sweetness on it um and i think that while both are good i find that um they definitely do have a different sort of take on the style whereas where harpoon is um less malty little i feel i feel like it's a little less malty and just a little bit more um heavier on the hops to give it some a different finish really uh than sam's does so i i do agree though that i i find sam's to be a very good oktoberfest that's reminiscent of fall to me it just says very (laughs) very close to being fall like in a bottle without adding pumpkin to it yeah exactly um now in comparison, this it's a very close battle for me. Um, it's re- it's actually really hard for me to decide specifically like an Oktoberfest that I like more because I do. I was actually very surprised upon trying both of these back to back. How different you do get. You know, it's it's hard to notice the differences when you you have one for a while and then like you you have another one. You know, a few days later. It's like, oh, yeah, they're all Oktoberfest. But they really do have their own distinctive taste to them. It's kind of interesting. And it kind of made us think about, you know, what happens when we try two different of uh, beers of the same style back to back like that. Because you don't really notice the nuances until you actually do it and have them back to back. 
so that's going to be something that we we try to do a little bit more moving forward. Um, but in this case, I got to say the winner to me is Sam's Oktoberfest. And that's by a narrow margin. Um, I love all Oktoberfest, so I don't really think you can really do wrong by them. Um, I don't. There's one in particular I can name off the top of my head that's a miserable Oktoberfest. Yinglings? Yes. <laughs> and I don't know if I've ever really had that one. No, but it's a... Yeah. It's a bad beer. But I would say that these two, they both are really good styles. And just Sam Adams edges Harpoon out by just a little bit. And that could possibly be partially nostalgia. <laughs> I, I'm going to... I was thinking almost... I was going to say Harpoon at the beginning, but as I've been drinking it, I, I still say Sam's. Though I don't think it's my favorite Oktoberfest anymore. Ah. I think I think Saranac's got the best Oktoberfest right now. They've outdone Sam's. It's not as malty. It's more like in Harpoon style. But I think it's balanced better, a little bit better and has more prominence in its malt and hop characteristic to it that makes it a... More balanced, flavorful beer. Well, next time we'll have to do Sam versus uh, Saranac. See ya. But I, I would, I mean, I, I would say probably Sam's is like a close second, though. But mm-hmm. I, I think I would say it's the throne. But Harpoon's really good too. And I had Brown's Oktoberfest this uh, week too, and it was really good. Mm-hmm. I had like the same uh, multi undertones, like or... like a harpoon. Nice. I do love our Oktoberfest. And Jack Jack's Abbey. <laughs> you know, get one on a little spree. There you go. Because it's only two weeks away, probably, before like the winter loggers start getting rolled out. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure very soon. And your old, may, they may even be out. And your old Fezzlewigs. I do like... I like winter beers, too. Close second. I agree, but I mean, like... Yeah. Not, comes, as, not as much. I, w- I almost wish Sam's, when it comes to like their seasonal, that old Fezziwig would be the... Dethrone the winter ale? I, I agree. Cause I think cause the, winter the winter ale the, is, the, is the, the, fine. Win- the winter lager is fine, but it's like the winteriness to it is so minute. I agree. That it's not, it's not like... I would rather see like an old Fezziwig become the new standard. <laughs> Ryan's sneezing right mm-hmm. now. Sorry about that. All right, uh, let's take a break. We will come back and talk about Friday the 13th from 2009. Stay with us. Hey there, neighbor. It's me, Head Librarian Gavin. I co-head librarian the Red Light Library, that erotic-only library off 2nd Street. Yeah, you know the one. Hey, did you know we're running a podcast now? That's right. And the thing is, we're reviewing the worst erotica we can find online for money, and I've been reading about a lot of weird things banging lately. Like, I could just sit here and tell you about the snowman, the leprechaun, the psychic Utah raptors that start an orgy, the questionable lesbian with the applesauce scene that's really disgusting, and oh, the Donald Trump. Or you could just Listen yourself. Use your favorite podcatching app or look us up on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. We're all over the place. The Red Light Library. Search it. You'll get us. Now for why I'm really here. Can I borrow your chainsaw again? We've tracked down an overdue book in someone's car and we need to retrieve it with, shall we say, extreme measures. All right, guys, we're back with uh, Friday the 13th from 2009, directed by Marcus Nispel. Um, and produced by Michael Bay. Produced by Michael Bay. Uh, produced by Sean S. Cunningham, who, as you know, was uh, part of the first film. And um, No, I did not know that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's pretty surprising 
considering the massive amount of differences between this Friday the 13th and the original Friday the 13th. Well, to be fair, you can't remake the first one. Yes. That would be very difficult because you, you don't have that sense of surprise anymore. Well, as I was going to say, no, the twist, the twist is gone. The twist of it's Mrs. Voorhees as, you know, Pamela Voorhees is the killer in the first film. Yep. I mean, you definitely... There's no, there's no way I can really think of off the top of my head where they could do that effectively. Uh, yeah, no, I don't... I mean, they... Everybody, it, every... It's, well, it's, 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 it's common knowledge. There would have had to have been something even more surprising. So, like, a reveal that, yeah, there was, you know... Mrs. Voorhees, but then something else too. You know, <laughs> it would add to have her been, lover, right? Yeah, or something, something crazy. Um, I don't even know. I don't know how you would do it at this point. I, I agree that doing the first one is really not. I would in say the best interest. I would say this is kind of like a a hybrid remake. Like it takes the ideas of one, two, and three. Yeah, because it's, you it's, you get parts of one. You you see at the beginning of this film, you see the end of one. Where you know Pamela Voorhees is beheaded in in the in the final scene, um, you see Baghead Jason. Mm-hmm. Um, you get parts of his little dungeon cabin thing. Yep. You, so you you get that. You also you know get regular masked Jason. His weed farm. <laughs> yes. So prevalent in the other Friday the Thirteenth movies. Um. So and and that's about where the uh, the actual similarities to the other films uh end because you can tell there are some um throwbacks bow and arrow um being one of them you know just weaponry that he uses yeah but he they make him like with the bow and arrow in this it's like he's fucking robin hood like after like he shoots the one chick from like a mile away with that fucking uh you know bow that he shoots the guy actually he shoots the oh yeah the blonde guy owen wilson uh, stand in, uh, wearing a fuck Christmas shirt for whatever reason. No, 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 no. Like there's a lot of things that were chosen in this film. It's like, why? Not only that, I expected faux, um, it, as I'm going to, I'm stealing from Peter Rosenberg here from hot 97, the Michael K show. Cause I'm going to, cause I'm, I'm, I am, I'm admitting it fully right now, but the, the guy that plays, Owen Wilson light is literally he's Owen Wilson at Jace looking. All he needs to do is be like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, wow, 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 wow. Do the Owen Wilson wow. Maybe also throw in some Matthew McConaughey's. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, that's the kind of you know personality he gives off. Yeah. But no, like when like he fucking shoots him in the head with like the the bow. It's like almost like I was expecting like to hear like Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's a throwback to to uh, their Friday Thirteenth films. As we've done, we did Friday Thirteenth parts uh, one through three for another podcast, um, the Jay's Movie Talk po- podcast. So we we've done them previously. So it's kind of fresh in our mind. I think that was like month, like two, two months ago. I think I want to say three. I think it was that far back. I, I don't know. It was, it was a little ways back. Um, so it's pretty fresh in our mind. And I think what we're talking about with Friday the 13th is that it's a pseudo remake. It's one of those remakes that's not really a remake. Could te- it could technically be a sequel. But eh. it, it could be. Although, mm. in this case, I think the biggest change is that Jason is not really the Jason that we know from the other Friday the 13th films. This is a fast-moving Jason. Which This I- is a goofy-looking Jason. I really don't... I- I'll say right now, I really don't like the design of this Jason. I will say I like the fact that he's like fast in this. 
Hmm. Well, that's going to be a sticking point between you and I. Like, I don't like fast-moving zombies, but in this, I kind of like that he's more athletic. The man's built like a fucking, you know, a, yeah. ho- a hoss, like a country farm boy. Yeah, that... Derek Mears? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Derek Mears he has should... really made a role out of just being big hulking man. <laughs> because that's what he is, and like, pretty, you know, he's just like... Like, when he throws, like, that axe, like, a hundred yards into that poor black man's spine, they should have been playing Hulk Hogan's Real American, like... And she's like hopping over a log, then grabbing the axe and throwing. Like, that's what should have been like real American. No, do you remember those commercials that are like real man of genius? Yes, oh, yeah, the Bud Light, yeah. like Bud Light. Should have done, done one of those because uh, today yeah. we salute you, Mister Hulking Serial Killer Man. Yeah, Mister Hulking Serial Killer Man. Yeah, that Derek Mears has really definitely and and for good reason. I mean, the man is large and and powerful and muscular, so why not, you know, just make a role out of doing fucking large men and and killers. If it was 1990, Vince McMahon would sign him instantly to yeah, the see, WWF. See, just see. on the fact alone, he's a f- I mean, Derek Mears is is like the is really like Kane Hodder and 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 every other Jason that has done this role. I mean, you got to be a giant guy. And no, I like he, the fact he really does pull it off. I think I like the fact though that he's agile in this. Why not? Why can't Jason be agile? I don't know. I mean, I just find it a lot less menacing to see him like running around, especially in in the scenes where like he's running at the characters with a machete and kind of you know smashing through them like a football lineman or something like that. I I don't know. I just I mean. Maybe that's just my preference of, of like, these are the Jasons that I've, I know and love, and, and that's not really one of them. It, it, it's almost like Dawn of the Dead, the remake. That's different, though. Zombies shouldn't be able to run. Well, well, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, well, you could argue Jason shouldn't be able to run. He's a hulking man. I'm sure he's got a decent 40 time. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, he's got some scouts from Alabama down there, like Nick, that- Sa- Nick Saban there with his plantation owner hat, being like, Yo, that boy's coming to down to Alabama this year to play some football. So you're saying that one thing that I don't like about this film is like the one thing you do like about this film is that is that Jason is fast. Yeah, he, all he's missing is a football, like literally the side. Like, he's like in his, yeah. and like, and like literally, like when he like hurtled over that stump, it's like, dude, it looks like Bo Jack. Like he's like, oh, it's great. It's like imagine you people who lived in the '80s and you know. That Bo can play, Bo Jackson does both baseball and football, and he fucking kills at both of them. That's what Jason is in this. He's Tecmo Bowl Bo Jackson. You cannot stop him. And it's great. Watching him hurtle over a stump, like grab an axe and throw it at somebody at a ridiculous step. It's great. I agree. Why, like, it's a- why, why, why is that, like... Why is that not acceptable? But him like silly, like gr- like some chick in a sleeping bag and then like smashing her up against the tree. Why is that acceptable? No, I agree. I mean, I think that at least for what Friday the 13th, 2009 does, right? It is at least fun in those moments where Jason is brutally murdering people. Um, I, I like a lot of the kills, actually. I think that they're in some ways inventive and also throwbacks to the other films. 
Um, like you just tr- talked about the the woman in the sleeping bag just getting smashed against the tree. Well, this one has a sleeping bag kill, except this time it's suspended over fire. And she's getting barbecued. And she's getting barbecued. And it's, it's actually a really fun scene because it's so brutal that and ridiculous. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. At the same time, it's a lot of fun. Well, she just let her boyfriend fucking finish, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's the moral. It's not about sex. It's like if you're going to have sex, you finish. That's yeah. You get to the finish line. Yeah. We don't like... Jason doesn't like quitters. They would have lived happily ever after if she let him get to the finish line. She didn't. Yeah, because it seemed like mm-hmm. Jason was really trying to stop that from happening. Yeah. He was like, no, get distracted. Don't finish <laughs> so I can kill you. Um, yeah, no, I think the scenes you know, where Jason is actually doing his killings are the most fun out of this film. And that's really why a lot of people are actually watching Friday the 13th. Um, well, by this point, and by this and point, <laughs> and and I think they did a pretty good job with with uh, special effects and gore. Um, well, the the fault of this film is not its production. No, it's definitely not. I mean, they definitely a it's lot a of comp- attention was put like, into com- it. Competently filmed. I'm not saying it's gr- like the greatest looking, no. but, but again, it's got the budget. It's it's competently made. It's yeah, especially compared like Texas Chainsaw Massacre's remake. Like this one looks a lot better. I agree. Yeah, it Visual, does. visually, visually looks a lot better. It, it definitely makes more use of the environment. Um, but granted, I would say even Texas Chainsaw Massacre is made in the early two thousand, so it's still on that saw green tint shit look of the early aughts. Where this is now, we're like getting to the. And uh, I guess how would you compare it to my Bloody Valentine's remake? Because we did that really early on in the podcast. Um, I don't even fucking. <laughs> you don't remember it. It's so good. You don't remember it. Um, I remember not liking it. I, I, I think I remember I, the original. <laughs> I think again that this film looks better than that one as well, and I think that one, this one also has a mine in it. We can't forget that, you know, where Jason lives is kind of like in a mineish area it's like and a sewer. Yeah, and I think they they do a better job of just all around making this look like a camp and making it look like a outdoorsy area. Um, getting the lake in there. I, it, I think it works. Um, that's Yeah, that's not the issue here. The issue really is the writing itself, right? I mean, I think that's probably your main concern. I'll uh, start with the first problem. As I said earlier, what is so hard about just making about, like, again, like, if you're going to do the whole trope of teens and drinking and partying and having sex, just keep it at that. Why do we have to add now that they're out there to fucking find a magical weed farm? Yeah. Well, the weed, the weed in general is uh... like. Why is that a plot point? Why is it there? It's stupid. Just like everybody I, thinks they're gonna get rich if they. Find I know. Fucking so, yeah. Like so, there's not anyone hopping out of the, like in the back of the bushes, being like, "Don't sell that weed. That's seven years in prison." You know, <laughs> minimum. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like even like small. Like don't know. No. I don't yeah. know where Crystal Lake's supposed to be, but those asshole teenagers um, had Jersey plates on their Jersey. Cadillac. Yeah. yeah. I, and I think New Jersey, like, like New York, has really strict drug laws, especially for sellers. So it's like, yeah, you get rich, yeah, you get busted 20 years minimum. Have fun, asshole. I mean, well, I think the biggest thing with the pot thing is that we have an opening scene. After the whole, you know, Friday the 13th original montage montage of, of beheading Jason, which I actually like because that's straight out of Friday the 13th part two. 
in that they just copied the entire last part of Friday the 13th and put it on Friday the 13th. I'm kind of surprised they didn't go for, like, the whole newsreel thing. Oh, yeah. To kind of give it, like, that faux, like, this is based out of it. They at least gave it, like, a contrasty black and white look, so, you know, stylistically. But but after that, you have, like, a 20-minute opening scene sequence of just... Kids going to the camp and getting murdered. And not only that, it's like, I'm guessing it's supposed to be kind of like a red herring type thing. Like, oh, you think... Yeah, I think Like, you is. think, like, like you think they're supposed to be the group, and it's like, oh, 25 minutes in, it's like, Friday the 13th title card. It's like, it's like you're fooling nobody! What? If three people are killing, like, ten minutes, it's like... Yeah, obviously this isn't the main cast we're supposed to be following. Well, I think it's, it's really, like, supposed to be, you know, in those original Friday the 13th, you obviously had the the opening scenes that were supposed to be getting you prepared. It's like the opening act at a, at a show, like getting you titillated and aroused for the rest of it. Like, Ooh, this looks like it's going to be good. Um, and it said just like that. That's how I say it every time. Every time right, I see a good opening yeah, scene. Yeah. Right in the theater. And everyone, <laughs> everyone's looking at it like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. They don't like me too much at the theater. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think that it was pro- it was meant to be like that, and so you you have it, and it keeps continuing, and at that point, the the makers are hoping you're thinking like, well, maybe this is the this is going on far longer than any normal opening montage would go. So you know you have that that expectation that perhaps this is our real cast. However, what I was gonna say is that that opening scene is really stuck on weed, right? The, the, all the characters are motivated by like, let's have weed, let's have sex, let's drink beer, uh, let's be the biggest douchebag bros this side of New Jersey, and that's fine and dandy for the opening act, right? I, I'm cool with that because those are not our real characters. Those are those are basically like standees, like styrofoam standees. Like, who please are, kill me. Basically, like, yeah. exactly. They're like asking for. It. They got neon signs above them. Like just, just kill me now. But then you get into the real meat of the film with your actual, um, your characters, the ones that you're supposed to be following for the next hour of the film. And, and the they same are the same fun. people. Yeah. They're, I mean, for the most part, I, they're a little bit more, I would say they're a little bit more likable than what we first no. meet. I, no. You may not agree. There's only one one of that group that I would say is likable. Who's the, who's the one that's likable? The girl. The, I would disagree. Your, say, your, your red hair, the red herring. I would Final say, girl. though he's really weird, I would say the black guy's pretty likable as well, simply because he does go after his boy with no. a with a pan of all things a in fondue, the house, a fondue pan. I don't know if it was you, a fondue or as, if it was a skillet. I, when I looked closer, it kind of looked like perhaps nah, it, it was, was like too, a skillet the, no, or something it was, like that. It was too like rounded at like this. Yeah, or maybe it was like a sauté pan or. Something like that, but no, because I will say he's probably the second no, best. Because he's he's fucking annoying. Well, I don't really know who masturbates in the middle of the living room to a Sears catalog, <laughs> a Sears after, catalog. Hitting a, after hitting a bong. Oh, my friends are you know fucking. I'm gonna sit here in my friend's cabin and jack off. I guess at least never never had that thought run. You know, no. I mean, I guess at least find the room next door to the people who are having sex and at least listen in. Room or right? You I mean, know. you know, at least get your kicks off on that. Or yeah, find any other room <laughs> that's not open to windows and doors and like literally the sitting, stairwell. Literally sitting in front of like the fucking uh, sliding door for like outside. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Oh, you're coming back. What's up? 
Oh, there's a killer? Yeah, hold on. Oh, I gotta get, you know. Yeah, I've never, never I'm had all, that. I'm almost there. Hold on. Never, first of all, never really had that um, feeling in someone in else's earth, house. Sort of. Other house. You know, someone else's house. Not in my own, but in my, but in someone else's house to sit down on their couch and just go at it. And then again, if there Remember was nothing, like your, your mother-in-law's and like, you know what? Well, it's kind of weird too, because like what, what got him going in the first place? Because now he's got to find the Sears catalog to get off. We don't know. Like, like, now you're forcing yourself. That's not even going to be fun. Like, not, you're forcing yourself to get into the mood. It's not fun. Man, you're going to end up, you know, like, chafing by the, by the time you're done, like, why did I do this? Exactly. There's going to be come everywhere and you're going to be like, why did I do it? Now I've got to clean it up on the on this stained hardwood floor that apparently costs a lot of money for Trent's family. Trent Van Winkle. Yeah, let's talk about no. Well, his <laughs> real name is Travis Van Winkle, but let's talk about Trent because he's the biggest douche bro dude in the film. Well, everyone's got the fucking dude bro Keith Urban haircut of like you know. Yeah, I mean even our our main guy character uh, Clay, who's played by Jared Padalecki, who had probably at this point just been starting out on Supernatural, the the TV show. Uh, I would th- I think that's probably one of his. Cause that's been going on for like thirteen years or something like that. So I think he probably w- had a WB show, um, CW, but same thing. Basically, yeah. Um, at that point, I think it still wasn't the WB. Maybe, yeah. I, don't know. I think that like he had just been starting out. So yes, he's got the uh, the Keith Urban haircut, and then you have Travis Van Winkle, which who- I, by the way, I don't even remember being a big thing ever. What? Fucking oh, that haircut. Yeah. You mean? I mean, now we've got like three people with them, and now that's what I'm saying. In this film, you have like all most of the guys with that haircut. It's like I don't remember. Not, not. I mean, Grant, you wouldn't see it around here. But I, I but, know, I, but I sure can't rock those curls. Those, but uh, but in locks. you know, I don't ever remember that being a thing in pop culture around the time. I mean, he, I feel like Jared Padalecki's always really had that hair. So I don't know who the fuck Jared Padalecki <laughs> is. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah. supernatural. Probably oh, well, best known for. My bad for not keeping up on the CW shows. But with Travis Van Winkle, as you mentioned, and actually as mentioned to us by um, someone else, he does have the Tom Cruise thing going on. Oh my god, yeah. he's the, His character is essentially Tom Cruise and Ryan Phillips' douchebagginess. Like from like Cruel Intentions, or I know what you did last summer, like for Tom Cruise. Well, I mean, this is really turned up to an eleven. No, I, I agree. I, like the most outrageous douchebag bro, it, he could possibly be. Yeah, no, but it's, it's like something I'm saying. So this is nineties. That's that's and so Ryan Fleet. That's him, and I know what you did last summer. Yeah, like basically, his, you know, with yeah the blonde. Like, I can't go. Jer- I can't go to jail. I, um, I know. Yeah, you have juicy titties. I mean, splendid titties. I'll say that I think in so in certain ways the unlikable characters are really intentional because we are supposed to want to watch these people get killed. Like if you're if you're watching a horror film and you are like in it for the gore, you're not really thinking like, well, I want to see this really nice person who's been helping the homeless at the soup kitchen <laughs> get, get murdered, right? Yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like, one of the screw, like, maybe it doesn't work because it's turning the genre on its head, but one of Scream's benefits is the fact that everyone's likable. I agree. I don't really, I don't really, maybe, um, maybe I, and like I said, it probably doesn't fit because, it's, again, it's turning the genre on its head in that film. But but at the same time, 
I, I, I do agree with what you're saying, though, because I do not subscribe to the fact that we have to dislike everyone to see them murdered. I think that in some ways we get a lot more benefit out of actually liking it, them and having it more, make an impact on you. Yeah, and, instead of just being cannon fodder. Right. And I think that Friday the 13th, in a lot of ways, is um, very opposite that reaction. It really is more about... The excess. It's about the rock songs. The you know the the terrible the, the 2000s rock songs. Terrible, generic. Fuck. As I've said before, like on this show, like describing like early, like, early and mid 2000s, even like late 2000s rock. The nadir of rock and roll. Yeah. Like 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 oh like Jesus Christ like. I think what you mean is super bad. <laughs> Super bad rock. No, Super Bad had a great theme. No, not super the movie, but <laughs> Super Bad. Um, no, I know, but like, no, it's it's like it's just the most yeah. generic. No, I, it's even worse than like Ghost Shack is terribly like hilarious and out of place and terrible. Mudvayne is at least like mud like Mudvayne's like we're Mudvayne, we're Slipknot light. Yeah, this like I don't even know who the fuck it was in this. It's, just, like, <laughs> it's literally like generic some- Nickelback. Creed, Alter Bridge, knockoff, you know, rocket like yeah. that makes me like wonder like who like who likes this? Yeah, I mean like so the, the film itself is all about the rock songs. It's all for about those, for those transition cuts, right. you know. Like, it's all it's all about the The out of place night ranger like why is Night Ranger Sister Christian in here? How many people come in to see this movie? Especially if you're like slightly younger than us, or you're gonna know who the like yeah, if you're like two years younger than us. You're not going to know who the fuck Night Ranger is. Why not put an REO Speedwagon song in there, too? I may enjoy hearing, like, a character sing Time for Me to Fly. No one else will, though. You know, so, like... And it's all all about the the violence, the gore, the stylishness of it all. And it's all about those boobies. And and that's really, like, the excess of it. So, like, that's what Friday the 13th is really concerned about. It's not really concerned about how serious you're actually taking the plot, where you're saying... This character was a really nice guy, seemed like a good person. I can't believe that Jason just up and stabbed him right through the face. You know what's got me thinking about when you mentioned them boobies? Probably has the most tit shots of any Friday the 13th film. Mm. It's, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I'm probably going to say yes. The thing is, though, however, I, it's, it's kind of surprising. Like, with all the boobs in this, that, like, the, the MPAA, they were like, X. Nah. Because you know, oh no, because here's why. Because Friday, the special part about Friday the 13th Part 2 is there's Bush. Right. We get Bush. Mm-hmm. That would not fly today. We do get a little bit. It's very quick. But there is a, when, um. If it's like a split second though, then. Yeah, when Juliana uh, Guile dismounts, uh, there's a quick shot of her. Uh, and, and also, there's a pen, um, a hustler shot too, from a magazine. Yeah, but those, like, quick. Yeah. At least in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, it's like you know, like bush, you know. It's kind Vaginal of it, shots fly. It's more the penis shots. That no, really I know. Are, no, I agree. I are, understand. Uh, if it's if it's dick, it's an instant X. And I, I don't, I don't get that. Just throw it in. I don't I know, care. I know. Well, people, dick are, don't bother me. Well, people are insecure and stupid. <laughs> but, but no, so like, but, but no, like, t- like I, th- I almost feel like, like if they could get away with like today, I think with like a book. But then again, it's kind of like. How M- the MPAA is like stupid because in certain things, like certain films, like, you can get away with that. Other yeah. ones, they're like, no, you can't do that. Right. You- yeah, I mean, I I think that in this case, I don't know if it has the most out of a, a Friday Thirteenth film, but, but it are- definitely 
They're the juiciest. Uh, I wouldn't agree because Debbie, <laughs> Debbie Sue Voorhees in uh, the stup- most stupendous in, fr- in Friday the Thirteenth does have some stupendous pendulous breasts. Swaying back and like, right. like, 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 like a metronome, like like they keep perfect, like they keep time for you. So like. Like mm-hmm. you could like if your friend you know friends fucking her and you, like like <laughs> you could sit there with like a guitar and like okay keep a four, keep your tits at a four four let's go like, <laughs> yeah but in this case in this film almost every single female does show the rest so except Jenna uh her and now also um Clay's sister Whitney she does not as well, well she's because they're the most up. the they're the virginal ones I, I still think Jenna's the most likable out of the whole. Yeah, probably she is because she's not a bitch. She's not yeah, a bitch, and it, she's not a bastard. Actually, though, why did she go with Trent at all then? If she's that likable, because clearly they do not match up in terms of personality. Because uh, Michael Bay hates women, and you're supposed to know that women make make stupid choices. In I want to I want to go back to Trent though, because as much as he is like an idiot, I actually really enjoy. Him in this film, I don't simply because it's he's so outlandishly ridiculous. You even said though towards the end when he's going when he has the balls to say when they're getting in the cop car and trying to get out of there when uh, Jason's chasing them, he says, "Come on, Jenna, let's get out of here and leave this asshole." So after has, fucking you know, yeah, after <laughs> fucking another woman, he has the balls to say like even though they're in a. A car that can easily seat five. Well, as you know, because you play the Friday the 13th video game, then well, isn't it not fun to just fucking leave people behind? <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I would not bu- say... See, I haven't bought it, but I would, I would, that would, to me, I would be laughing every time I did that. Like, <laughs> I like, mean, like somebody's like, help, help, like, just speed off. Like, yeah, fuck you, get, a game get the bone, A asshole. game is different, but in real life, that's a pretty prickish thing to do. <laughs> I can't imagine that. For, for sure, somebody coming around with a machete and you're like, well, he'll he'll get out of it. Every man for himself. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I guess. Um, I think it's great. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's why I kind of do like, even though obviously I'm not supposed to like him, I do find that character fun. Um, but at the same time, I think what really does wear down the film is our it's it's those characters, right? Those characters that are just unlikable. Um, the epitome of like people that you would see at a party and be like, "Well, I'm out of here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm leaving." At least for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was reading online. Um, the guy that plays the uh, Asian of the oh yeah, Chewy, um, Chewy, Aaron New. They're like he put a great role. He did nothing. I he mean, did. He played every role you would see in like a stereotypical like. Stoner comedy of being basically like, stoned and drunk, and just be like, "Hey, yo!" Yeah, I don't know why they would specifically pinpoint him, laud him for his. I'm not saying he's bad, but again, like, doesn't it's not like yeah, I wouldn't say he's bad, but I mean, he wouldn't say he stood out or anything. I mean, he just did things that were somewhat comical, but other than that, like, like I actually found Travis Van Winkle's portrayal of a ridiculous. Dude, dude bro dude bro to be a lot more resonant because even though it's obviously like cliched and and um exaggerated it's not really I, i've seen people like that i've you know i i have uh, encountered people like that so and, and what i really like too is how 
focused on like cleanliness he is throughout the whole thing, like cleaning up the the car, like, cleaning G- up the house. G- like Jesus Christ, like he invites all his like his fucking cadre of drunken stoner friends over who just want to drink and fuck and have a good time. He's like, "Don't get my dad's cabin messy." And he's like, "Why the fuck did you bring them then?" Yeah, you dumbass. Oh no! You knocked my dad's chair over. <laughs> and it's like it's like you're, you're fucking stupid. Um, like if all you want to do is fuck stupendous juicy boobies, you should just brought stupendous juicy boobies down to your cabin. Yeah, have nothing but stupendous juicy boobies. Absolutely. How do you feel about that finale? Um, that kind of actually, in some ways defies expectations because the final girl that we think is going to be the final girl is actually not the final girl. I mean, it would have been fine to have two. I don't know why you couldn't have Jenna, Whitney, and Clay survive. I kind of like the fact, though, that they did a little circumvent and uh, went around that. You you had the final girl. Because because obviously the, the first part of the film was a fake out. Then that last part of the film is a fake out as well. I think it's it's kind of clever. I, I don't know if it it's necessarily like gonna save the film. No, I mean but it, it doesn't do anything. For, I mean, not, I don't feel. I, I don't have like any malice towards that either way. I think it would have been fine though. Like you could have three survivors. I don't think a slasher film should be beholden to the rule that there's only one or two survivors. True. Especially when you have like with this like fucking nine people. Yeah, I mean more than that really. Than well, I, we it, actually see more people killed. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of people. So, I mean, I I don't understand, you know, why, I, I, why you can't yeah. have three. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, no, like, like, like I said, like, Jenna does, like, does nothing throughout this film that's offensive. Mm-hmm. She's literally the common sense of the group. I think like, the- because Because, as you were talking about with, like, Travis Van Winkle being dickbag McDouchebag, fucking... You had in the beginning when they're at a convenience store, and Jared Padalecki is like trying to show, you know, ask if he can have wanted posters put up for his sister, and uh, fucking Travis is just like, we're trying to buy things here, as he's listening to the guy like, hey, my sister's missing, can I hold the poster up? And he's like, yeah, we're trying to buy things, we gotta go, come on, let's go. Yeah. You know. And like, and Jenna's like, "Don't be an asshole." He's like, "No, come on, come on. This guy's a dick. I want to buy my water and my combos, but this asshole here is fucking holding up the line." Even though they're the only people in the fucking store, like, I mean, like that—that's kind of like a point to like, uh, where I'll agree with, like, okay, yeah, he's super douchebag, bro. So I get it, but at the same time, like, that's over the top. Yeah, like, because like, who, uh, who would ever? Do actually, that? Actually, do that. I mean, I've seen shit like that working, guess, yeah. working retail, but at the same time, I, time I, as the cashier, I'd probably be like, "Shut the fuck up!" Uh, you know, you pay me for your gas. You're not getting water. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I kind of like the whole Jason getting caught in the wood chipper, though. That's kind of a nice change of pace. Taken from Fargo. Yeah, a little something different because obviously we've had that we had that wood chipper throughout the film. There's a it, there's the implication that it was going to be used, and uh, it eventually does, and it pulls Jason in. I I kind of like that. I think it's a um, another smart move it, rather than just having Jason, you know, 
like beheaded by a machete or you know dropped yeah, into the not, water. Yeah, but he's not mutilated by it. It just catches a chain that gets him caught up and he gets stabbed. Yeah, he gets stabbed and also part of his head is whacked away by the wood chipper. I think is what. Well, a lot of fucking good that did. Well, then they throw him in the water. So it kind of, st- it, again, it sets so up that. To what should have had the music from Titanic playing, I guess. They're rolling her body, his body in there and throwing the pit locket in there because, as we didn't mention, Whitney, the virginal soul survivor girl, Jason keeps her locked up in chains. Yeah. Because he, it reminds him of her mother. Yeah. Which, we didn't talk about, yeah, the locket part of it. And I am not a fan of the locket. I feel like that's a very small trinket to be had. But not only that, why would he keep her though? Yeah. Just because he looks like her, he knows it's not her. Right, he knows, he it's knows not what her. is clearly he... if he didn't know that it was if he didn't know that it was not her, he wouldn't have her chained up. So yeah, it's, it's a I don't buy Jason being like stupid. No. Or like, you know, he may be deformed, but he's not He's not retarded. I, that's why because, I, because you, as you see the things he like does and how he outsmarts you know people. It's not like it's not like he's stupid. That's why I wish that they had brought the sweater back because the sweater at least makes a little bit more sense. Um, if she looks like her mom, his mom, and she's wearing the sweater, and psychologically he's kind of messed up, he might in the dark think that it's her, right? But the locket. Really doesn't do anything. Like anybody can have a locket. Why does that signify that that's gotta be his mom or or reminiscent of his mom? So he keeps her around. It just doesn't. There's not really anything that resonates there that that makes sense for the part. I I, I think it'd be great if they made it with like the whole part when he comes down, like drags a dead body and all of that. If it was like more, like more like married with children, he's Al Bundy and she's like. Pagan, because like the way he's just like acting, like you don't ever appreciate anything I do, you yeah, know, like, yeah. and like he's like getting ready to like hit her or something. She's like Jason, and he's like, all right, fine, <laughs> fucking go kill more people, mom. God, yeah, I just, I just want to play Sega. <laughs> I just wish that yeah, that that uh, the whole chain up thing made a little bit more sense because in, in this case it really doesn't. It, it, yeah, how it doesn't like, she's sense. been down there for like two months, three months, yeah. Is he letting her off the chain to poop and shit? What's he feeding no, her? What's he feeding? Like, is he like cooking dinner? And she's like, he's like, "Here, mom, eat something." And she's like, eh. and "He's like, why do you not love me, mom?" You know? Yeah, I don't know what she's he, eating. I don't know where she's poo pooing. Michael Bay didn't think these things. Out. <laughs> um, anything else that you have to talk about before we head into ratings? I think we I, we covered everything that I wanted to talk about. That girl didn't swim out of that boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. No, she definitely does not. She does not swim out of the way of the boat. That's that's a speeding boat. Like hey. That's a funny scene all around because, uh, first of all, I don't think getting hit in the head by a boat speeding at you is really just going to leave you a little bit concussed. I'm kind of just... surprised I didn't have her get like mutilated by the propeller. Yeah, I mean... That's something I was like, get hit by the boat and then, like, mutilated by the propeller. You know, I do think that they went with the whole machete in the head thing because then they could pull her up out of the water and have her boobs one last time. Uh, so you got, like, the violence in the boobs. But, yeah, I, for, I feel like in that scenario, probably what would have happened is... She got hit by the boat knocked really out fucking hard. Knocked At out least and knocked out unconscious or really dead. like torn off her head. 
And then she got chopped up by the propeller after. It probably would have been not as bad of a death, actually, because it would have been over before she knew it, and she wouldn't have been, had that fear of of <laughs> dying after. So, I don't know. Yeah, but that that scene is ridiculous. <laughs> Pretty pr- ridiculously crazy. It would be great if they played the Curb Your theme after, like you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm theme. after, like like hey, like the dun dun dun. Yeah, it would have been yeah, it would have been funny if Jason was standing around like what? Because yeah, because yeah, because he was standing around watching, so it's like. Oh, you know, like done. <laughs> yeah, because it would have taken a kill away from him. Yeah, didn't get to enjoy that. All right. So, uh, what would you give Friday Thirteenth, two thousand nine? Because I know that you were uh, when we were watching it, you were kind of hating on it. So, what would you what would you give it now that we've had a chance to talk about it? Out of mm, out of um out of ten weed plants, what, what would you give Friday Thirteenth, two thousand nine? Three out of ten. I thought you were going to go a little higher than that after we've talked about it, kind of had some discussion about it. No? This is a fucking miserable film. I think I get to give him like my full thing, kind of breaking down the film, but I can't now because this is my part now. get to go solo. This film is miserable. It's only 97 minutes long. It feels like it's fucking forever. None of the characters except... One girl in this film is likable. They're all your stereotypical douchebag college like frat boy sorority girls that you just like I can't I can't wait for these people to die. And I don't when I see a slasher film, it's not what I'm angling for. Like yeah, it's nice to see like inventive and cool ways to kill people. But at the same time, it's a film, it's supposed to tell a story, not just be about effects. And kills. So it better have an engaging plot and engaging characters that you can get behind. This film has none none of that. It's absolutely dreadful. The score, which we didn't even talk about, is fucking boring, dull, overplayed, and filled with generic, the nadir of rock and roll of the 2000s. The only person in this that I find likable is Jason. I think David Meir, Derek Meir, sorry, as big hulking lumberjack offensive line Jason in here, Jason in here who can run sprint after people. He's the only thing that's good about it. That's like the one positive thing about this. I actually like the fact he can run sprint because I love seeing Jason sprint and hop and over a stump and throw a fucking axe at somebody. I would have loved to see him like stiff arm somebody like he's a Heisman Trophy. But other than that, this film is this film is bad. You take the original premise of the f- first film, and the second film too, with it being based on the camp, and you have to fucking two thousandsify it with like it's not good enough that they're just kids wanting to have sex and drink and party. They gotta be potheads and stereotypical potheads and like, dude, Lucy the bong, bull, blah, 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 blah. it's stupid. And the fact that these college kids are drinking Bud Heavy. We didn't even talk about that. We should have drank that for this be- uh, podcast. No college kid drinks fucking Bud Heavy. Old men buy Bud Heavy. Old men who are hunting down in Alabama drink Budweiser. They'd be drinking Bud Light. Or something of the kind. Keystone Actually, probably Keystone Light. They would not be drinking Bud Heavy. That's the biggest flaw in this film. I'm offended by it. Well, Trent's rich, so maybe he bought the Bud Heavy. 
At least, like, the the first crew, they were drinking PBR. That makes sense. Those hipster douchebag pothead stoner, stoner kids would be like, Path Blue Ribbon's the best beer in the world. Because I saw Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. And that's what Clint drank. Clint drank Paps. As he was hating fucking Asian people. This movie's bad. It's boring. It's dull. And the sad thing is, again, it's a competently made film. It looks... it. You can tell that care was put into the production of it. It's just a shame the cast, the story, the pacing, the soundtrack is terrible. And some of the kills are inventive, but at the same time, I can't be bothered to really care. Because there, there's nothing to care about. Well, um... I'm gonna, I I gotta disagree a little bit here. Uh, I'd probably give it a five and a half wow. out of ten. I called that. <laughs> um, then this is I, the first film in a while we had we haven't. Yeah, agreed we haven't on. really agreed on. We've it. agreed yeah. for quite a while now. And this is. I mean, the first time that I saw this film, I really didn't like it. I was pretty vehemently against it. Um, the second time I'm watching it, I can kind of appreciate the 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 more um, fun aspect to it that you know. May, perhaps it's the the season, the the spirit of the season that I'm that we're in. But uh, it doesn't count. You said you don't even consider this a Halloween film. No, it doesn't. But I'm 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 in the mood. I'm in, I'm in the the spirit of Halloween. So um, maybe maybe it's that. But I I definitely I had more fun with it this time around. Um, I could appreciate that it was kind of going more ex- towards exaggeration. Um, that there were scenarios that were obviously ridiculous, but still. Within the realm of like a slasher film, it's not that I'm not fine. I'm, hey, I'm whoa, sorry. Whoa, 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 I know whoa. this is my time to speak well, here. You, know, you had your time, so I get my time to say I my am. thing, and then you can you can comment on it afterwards. But let me finish. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think that <laughs> I think that the uh, the the kills are 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 pretty good. I think, uh, you know, pretty practical effects, um, and I, there's some definitely some creativity to it. In terms of how they do the kills, uh, banking off of previous films in the series, um, and uh, some throwbacks to those films, so I like that a lot, and um, I like the boobies, um, so I'm I'm cool with that. And uh, but other than that, I do think that there are some major flaws. One being the script. I don't really think it's written that well. Even if we aren't supposed to like the characters, I still don't think the script is written very well. Um, I'm not a fan of the the fast running Jason. Uh, I don't really like that that much, um, and I think that pr- I I, I well I I appreciate what they were trying to do with the 25 minute opening. <laughs> um, I don't really think that was super necessary. I think it could have been a lot faster than that and not waste a lot of the time that we could have spent probably meeting the characters a little bit more. Should have um, watched a Bond film on how to do an opening. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's really where I get my five and a half is that I can appreciate the fun uh, aspect of it, but I also was hoping for a little bit more and, and it doesn't really meet my requirements for a Friday the 13th movie in terms of what I think of as like classic Friday the 13th films. So now you can speak. I can't even remember what I was about to rant. Good. On. That's right. You, you already got your rant in. Um, you're way too generous. On I don't know. I, 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 I'm saying so. Well, think, just think about it. I mean, did you have more fun in this than Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I did. Uh, wow. 
I, I had more that, fun than in this. What did I give that? I don't know. Four, you gave it better than this. I think we both gave it a five. And I had more fun in this than I did in My Bloody Valentine. I don't remember the remake, so I couldn't tell you. I just um, know being very upset with it. So that's it's some somewhat of a comparison to some of the other remakes that we've watched. In that, I I think it does the slasher films better than those ones. I mean, I just I don't find it fun. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think it totally misses misses the mark. At least Texas Chainsaw Massacre like hits the mark on what you'd expect from the the film, like the the series itself. I don't think this does. I think this totally misses misses the mark. Hmm. Well, so we just disagree. That's fine. It's not fine. I'm okay with that. It's right or it's no, right or probably right. Probably viewer listeners like to hear that more that we disagree rather than just saying the same same rating over and over. See, we don't just say the same rating and and make it like Blood and Black Rum podcast always agrees with each other. We don't always agree with each other. So yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add about Friday Thirteenth? I hope I never. Have I, to I hope you guys have a good Friday Thirteenth. I hope I never have to watch this again. I uh, I hope um, Jason doesn't come for you. I hope you don't run into a black cat or break a mirror or walk I'm under a sure ladder. I think Jason X is better. I'm, I'm oh, like, I, like I think you will learn to regret that when we watch Jason X. I've seen it before. I, I like, mean, again, when we watch it again and you compare them, I think you will I've, find that Jason X is like, a what? lot worse. I've seen it like five times. I think Jason X is a lot worse. What's not to like about I, Jason I don't like Jason X. I, I <laughs> uh, watched it for the first time a few years ago and I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so... I found it boring and annoying and pretty much every uh, bad adjective. <laughs> I'm not a fan. So, Jason takes Manhattan. I like Jason takes Manhattan. I think that's a fun movie. He's not in Manhattan, huh? He's not in Manhattan though. He's on the boat. He does go to Manhattan for a little. I just like when he well, smashes the boombox. That's the best part of the whole. I know film. it is. I think, well, that one in the think, rooftop kung fu yeah, scene. I think everyone agrees that those are the two. But yeah. they should have just made it like Jason. Jason's on the love boat. And just have like the love boom and have like, you know, and then have like the end like, and, and also starring Jason Voorhees. Like. No, to be honest with you, I think that Jason Takes Manhattan is a fun film just because of how it changed up the formula a little bit. Uh, Jason 7 is pretty fun because it has that supernatural aspect to it of the, the psychic bil- abilities. A little bit different. <laughs> so, I don't know. I like I like that, even though they're, I wouldn't say they're particularly good films. Um <laughs> I think they're at least fun in the same. I guess you would say that in the same way that Halloween Resurrection is fun, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, H2O um, is not fun. You know, I was actually um, online and I was seeing a lot of people who think that a Halloween H2O is a good Halloween film. Oh wow! I would absolutely disagree. Not we only, reviewed that. We not, rev- <laughs> yeah, I know we did it on the podcast. Not only do I not think it's a good Halloween series film it's a i also don't think it's a good halloween film it doesn't have halloween in it like whatsoever i mean there's only like a couple scenes where there's actually halloween decorations and or halloween pumpkins it's or, a fucking miserable 90s slasher yeah, film. and josh hartnett has bad hair well he had terrible hair and yeah. fucking the faculty, the faculty too well. but somebody but fam key jansen was still like i'll sit on your face <laughs> yeah well you'll take it 
I guess he will take that. <laughs> Who would not take that? I know. Gay or straight, you say yes, ma'am. You say, you say yes. You say thank you. And God bless America. All right, so uh, <laughs> next week, I think we are doing Friday. Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. the remake. Um, because we're cu- we're while we we still got a couple weeks left. We've got three episodes more, I, th- I believe. We got next week. We got the week after, and we got a special Halloween episode, possibly a fourth, possibly if we're feeling ambitious and rambunctious. No promises. Last yeah. time I promised Death Wish, it was wrong. Yeah, we don't want to promise anything. But but we we've got a few more episodes left of remake a ween. Um, we are we're doing a Nightmare on Elm Street remake next week. Um, and it it should be a blast because you haven't seen it, right? Nope. And it's not uh, I, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna have much the same uh, animated talk as we had for this episode. Yeah. No. You know what? I can kind of, here here's an early preview. I'll probably think it's total trash, and you're like, I thought it was trash, but now I think it's kind of fun, because the spirit of the leaves are with me. If I had to guess, I'm going to say that you think it's trash, and I'm also going to think it's trash. I don't think my opinion's going to change very much, but (laughs) it'll be interesting to see. Again, that's one I've only seen one time, came out of the theater, really hated it, and uh, that was it. Yeah, well, that's how you, again... With Friday, yeah, one we just did right now. You, possible, yeah. maybe I'll maybe I'll find a newfound uh, you'll fascination be like, with it. You'll be like, I can, I will never imagine Robert England as <laughs> Freddy ever again. Though I wouldn't say a five point five for uh, this Friday the Thirteenth is a good score. So take that as a, I mean, as it, you will. It is for the franchise. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> that's just it's my humble opinion. All right, so uh, we will be back next week with Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, make sure that you tune in to us on iTunes. Subscribe and leave us a nice review. You can also find us on Stitcher and pretty much any other podcast app that you use or you use to listen to this episode today. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, and we're also on Twitter, at Blood and Black Rum, with an N. And uh, let us know what you think about the show by emailing us at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. You can give us suggestions for new episodes. You can just tell us what you think or what you don't like, uh, and we'll respond to them. And check out coldsploitation.com. Yep, coldsploitation.com as well, where we uh, are hosted for our, our podcast network, the Coldsploitation Podcast Network. And reach out to them if you are interested in joining the podcast network as well, because we're always open for new cult film podcasts. So check that out. And uh, we also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum Podcast. You can donate to the show. Um, it's a monthly donation, so just keep that in mind when you're putting that in. But uh, there's some cool goodies on there for you if you do donate, and uh, we appreciate anything you can give back to us. One last thing. Your quiz. Yep. Um, there is a quiz up online now on com, and it is a Halloween-themed quiz. It's a pretty tough quiz, I would say. Uh, it's based on um, guessing the Halloween film from an image that I give you, and it's 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 difficult, especially if you haven't seen some of the films or and some of the the uh, images are pretty obscure from the film, so it's not really obvious what the film really is. It's not your. It's not a buzz Buzzfeed. No, quiz. It, it's not meant to be easy. Uh, if you take it, you can win a Coldsploitation T-shirt if you do well, either by getting all of them correct, which so far, we have not had anybody get all of them correct, 
or being the the one person who gets them the most correct. So uh, take that online at coastplaytation.com. It's a fun little quiz and definitely will get you in the Halloween mood. Thank you for listening. Check us out next week when we're back with Remake a Ween with a Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Uh, it should be a fun time. And then we're heading straight to Halloween with a few more episodes of the Remake a Ween series. So uh, keep listening. We appreciate everything that you uh, you do for us and take care.